Man, well, as you all know, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, and this morning I want to talk to you about how, how to hear His voice. How do we really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, Roger said it best a week or two ago, whenever, I never really thought of it this way, but isn't it incredible that whenever God created everything, created the man and woman, Adam and Eve, had them in the Garden of Eden, Eden, they actually walked hand in hand with God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the opportunity to walk hand in hand, be face to face, voice to voice with God? That would be incredible. And then, of course, they chose to disobey God. They sinned. Sin brings separation and death. They were kicked out of the garden. Sin ran rapid throughout the world. God always had a plan in place to restore men and women, boys and girls, back to that perfect relationship they once had uh, with the man and woman in the garden. And he did it in such a way that Jesus came and died rose from the dead, his blood covered our sin, and any person that comes before him and says, God, forgive me. I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm stuck. I can't be Baptist enough, Methodist enough, Presbyterian enough, non-denominational enough. It'll never be about the religious hat I wear. It's always about a relationship with you, Jesus. I need you and you alone to forgive me of my sins. I repent, and as sincerely as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Whenever that happens... God did something even more unique than side by side, hand in hand, in the garden with him. He chose to live within us. Isn't that incredible? Whenever Roger said it a couple weeks ago, he went from hand in hand to inside of us. What an incredible God. And I'm telling you, that's the God that through his Holy Spirit that lives in us, speaks to us. And he speaks to us in a way. I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. I've heard testimony as such. I don't have issue with that. God's God and he can do anything. But for me, it's that impression he leaves in my heart. It's that gut feeling. And I can tell you this, the older I get and the more I've walked with him, the more I recognize that tug. And every one of us in this room will know there are times in our life that we just felt that, that again, that nudge in our heart. And isn't it crazy to think that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the most high God, loves you and loves me so much that he desires to guide us. And if we want to talk to the Holy Spirit, it goes like this. Hey, God, yes, I have a problem. I know. I'm in here. Because he's in us. God can't, cannot get any more accessible to us than he is right now because he lives in us. He lives in us. So the moment you and I experientially surrendered our life to Christ... The Holy Spirit came to live within us. So how do we hear his voice? How do we recognize his voice? Well, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to walk through what I do uh, with what we often refer to as our, my quiet time, okay? I wish I had time to sit at everyone's feet in this room and say, what do you do whenever you have an intentional time with God? Now, hear me. We all know we're in his presence continually, right? The Bible says pray without ceasing, and, and we can because you can be driving down the road, walking down the hall, whatever, and you can always communicate with God. Again, he lives in us. So I know we're always in his presence, but I still think there's something special about having a an intentional time of the day where we get along with him, not with our best friend or our best girl, right? But we get along with him and him only, and we seek him and we listen to his voice. There's something special about that. The goal should be every day. Say every day. Say every day. But I don't get it done every day, okay? And I say that to say, say every day. Yeah, I don't always hit that, okay? Here's the reason why I say it. Because we ought to at least have a goal to do it more days than not. Our goal is to, is to be every day. But if you miss a day, or if you're in a season of your life, and maybe you're here this morning or listening online, you say, I haven't talked to him in months. He's not mad at you. 
We don't have to tuck our spiritual tail between our legs and lay low and wonder if he's ticked off. Just go back to him because he's there. He's head over heels in love with you. And don't think if you miss a day or two that we serve a legalistic God. But the goal would be every day. Say every day. But I don't get it done the way I should. But I want to walk with you. And I'd love to be able to hear what you do in your intentional time because I'm telling you, I would learn and probably change a lot of what I do. But I'm going to walk with you uh, through what I do are the days that I have this intentional time with God. So the first area is the area of confession, okay, confession. Here's what we need to confess to God. We need to confess unconfessed sin. We say this a lot around here, but I want you to say it again. Say unconfessed. Say unconfessed. That's worth saying a third time. Say unconfessed. We gotta remember that we only confess our unconfessed sin. Here's the reason why. If you've confessed sin in your life and you've repented of that, here's what the Bible says in these three verses that are cited here. In Psalms 103, 12, it says he'll take our sin and put them as far away from us as the east is from the west. Now, it's not original with me. You've heard me say it before, but I heard it from somebody much smarter than me. Not sure who it was, but there's, I'd be about anybody I meet. But I can tell you that the Bible does not say he takes our sins and put them as far away from us as the north is from the south. That would be a huge deal. But it says east is from the west. And my understanding is one of the reasons why he says east is from the west is because we might be able to wrap our humanistic brain around north is from the south because we have a north pole and a south pole on this little planet called earth, okay? But you cannot wrap your mind around east is from the west. So God said, I'm a big deal and I could say north is from the south and that would be huge. But since I'm so incredibly huge, I'm going to do better than that. And I'll take your sin that you confess, my sin that I confess, and he'll take those sins and put them as far away from us as the east is from the west. And Micah 7, 19, that's also cited there, says he'll bury our sins in the depths of the sea. The depths of the sea. In Hebrews 12, 8, that's cited there, it says that God will remember our sins no more. He chooses to forget. What that means is he'll look at you and he'll look at me if we have surrendered to Jesus and he'll look at us as if we have never sinned. It's crazy. So... Why do we say unconfessed? Because if you've confessed it, you've repented of that sin, and the next day you're feeling that pit in your stomach again, it's not God bringing it up. He's removed it as far away from you as he says from the west, buried in depths of the sea, remembers it no more. It's the devil bringing it up because he loves to push rewind and play and rewind and play and rewind and play over and over and make you feel worthless. But God has dealt with it. But the unconfessed, say unconfessed. If we've committed that sin again, if there's something in our life that's unconfessed, that's what we go before God with. And we talk to him about those things. And then we still stand on those same verses we just talked about, knowing that he will deal with our sins. He's faithful to forgiveness of, uh, forgive us of all unrighteousness, John 1, 9 says. And he will do that. So here, a, a mentor of mine said to me several years ago, something that revolutionized his life was adding just a few minutes to his quiet time. And I begin to do that, and it's been revolutionary for me as well. Sometimes it's more than a few minutes, but here's what it is. You know, whenever you begin this confession process, and you're, you're, you're driving down the road, or you're all by yourself in your house, or wherever it is that you're having your time, your intentional time with God, and you begin to say, God, I'm really trying to remember all the unconfessed stuff so I can confess it and repent of it right now and ask you to forgive me of it now. I, sometimes I think I've done a pretty thorough job. But then this guy taught me to ask one question. And the question is on the screen. God, what have I forgotten? Bring it to my memory. If there's any unconfessed sin in my life that I have forgotten, bring it to my memory. And sometimes I spend the next 45 minutes buzzing down the road uh, thinking of what he is bringing to my memory. Why is that? Because God has beaten the dog out of me, right? No. God loves to bring up sin because he loves to forgive. 
And we have this opportunity that's only given by him to be clean before him, and he even provides the cleansing. I'm telling you, you talk about the short end of the stick, but God does that for us. We, he gets the short end of the stick because he even provides the cleansing. If we're faithful to come before him and say, what are the unconfessed sin in my life? Let me confess those by your strength and your strength only that lives in me through the power of your Holy Spirit. I repent of those, and then God, will you remind me? What have I forgotten? Bring it to my memory so I can confess it right now. And then practice a style of worship that is probably the least practice style of worship that's recorded in scripture and that's set silent before the Lord. I'm so ADHD it's not even funny. And it's getting worse. I know there's medicine for guys like me and I should probably check it out. But I'm telling you, my brain is bouncing off my skull whenever I set five minutes before the Lord in silence. But we need to do this because he will lovingly remind us of things that are unconfessed. The second part, not only do we have confession, but we have surrender. We have surrender. So after we confess and after we allow the Lord to clean us up, then we surrender. And here's what I mean by surrender. God, I place every area of my life under your control. Holy Spirit, I place every area of my life under your control. It's what the Bible calls being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible teaches clearly that the moment you and I surrender to Christ... We get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get and all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to need. And there's not a second blessing. I believe we get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get at the moment we surrender to Christ. Now you may read in the book of Acts and see where different chapters it says and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And later on, a couple chapters later, same people filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that multiple fillings? Well, what that word means is to be under control of. And there are days in my life, only by the grace of God, I give over to him and I'm under his control. And there are days that I take it back and guess what I need to do again? Go under his control. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to surrender to him, it simply means to say, God, I place every area of my life, every area. Now listen, men and women, boys and girls do not have the ability to do this. It only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We are not God. We're a bunch of busted up, broken people but he allows his spirit to come and live in us and by his strength by the same strength that rose jesus from the dead through that strength we can surrender and say god i'm wicked and i'm broken but i'm telling you i place every area of my life under your control give me your strength so that my first inclination my first thought today my first gut feeling would be you today while i'm Doing anything I'm doing, I pray that I'd be so surrendered to you by your strength and your strength alone that the first thought that hit my mind would be you and that I would hear it and that I would surrender to it. But it's coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. We need to confess and, and ask him to fill us. There are eight areas in my life that I ask him for as I do my intentional time with God. And, uh, and, and here's the first four, okay? Number one, I ask for the strength his strength for me to surrender my heart to him. Surrender my heart to him. Matthew 12, 34, it says, from the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm telling you, if all we put in our heart is garbage, if all we watch on TV or especially on the internet or all the conversation we have seems to be negativity and all this kind of stuff, it, that's going to come out in our, in our words. It's going to come out in our decision-making. It's going to come out in the way we treat other people. And so the first thing that I want to give to God and surrender to him by his strength is my heart. The second thing is my mind. Isaiah 26.3, listen to what it says. It's on the screen. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed 
on you, is fixed on you. Listen to that again. God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. And the more we have our mind fixed on God day after day, the more we trust him the next day to be able to put our mind and have it stayed on him again. And can you imagine having perfect peace? Say perfect peace. See, that's our heart. That's our goal. And I believe the reward of hanging on to Jesus in this way is he does bring us peace even on the days that we can't understand having peace. And it may not have anything to do with happiness. And it may not have anything to do with laughter. But the peace is still there. And so I say, number one, God, I want to surrender my heart to you. Number two, God, I want to surrender your mind. I can't, I can't stress it enough. I cannot do this. This is not me saying, I'm surrendered. This is me saying, by your strength, the Holy Spirit that, that lives in me, I'm wicked, I'm filthy, I've got to have you. But today, will you give me the strength to give you my heart? Will you give me the strength to give you my mind? The third area is my eyes. Now, I don't have scripture reference, but you can look throughout the Bible, and there's a lot about the eye. But I'll just tell you, in the areas that I'm looking at, that I think about, is I don't want to look at anything inappropriate, whether that's on television. I mean, I want to tell you, today, during what, if there's such thing as family hour TV anymore, you'll still see Victoria's Secret commercials and Hanes underwear commercial that would have been considered porn whenever I was a kid. Now you can, on a smartphone, pull anything up. I say, God, I don't want my eyes to fall on any of that. If there's an attractive woman walking by, I don't want to follow her with my eyes down that hallway or whatever it may be. God, today I'm wicked and I need you to take control of my eyes. So it's my heart, my mind, my eyes. The next is my mouth. Listen to what it says in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I actually won't read it, but it's that passage, and we're familiar with it, where the Bible... Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, again, we just say thank you for the old rugged cross. And Lord, uh, no matter how many times we sing that song, uh, God, may I never allow myself to get so over familiar with any song or any portion of your word that I no longer allow to impact my life. And God, may we just be in awe of the fact that you sent your son to die on that cross to raise from the dead. And the only thing that gives us favor with you, the only thing big enough to cover my wicked sin is the blood of Jesus. And we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for making a way back for us. Uh, Lord, you're beyond amazing. We love you. God, again, during this hour, just want to confess to these fine people, and Lord, you already know this, I just don't have the goods to deliver this today, but God, we know that you do. And I'm exceptionally thankful for that because that's who we need to be dependent upon anyhow. And we love you. We ask it again in the strong name of our King Jesus. Amen. Man, well, as you all know, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, and this morning I want to talk to you about how, how to hear His voice. How do we really hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, Roger said it best a week or two ago, whenever, I never really thought of it this way, but isn't it incredible that whenever God created everything, created the man and woman, Adam and Eve, had them in the Garden of Eden, Eden they actually walked hand in hand with God. Can you imagine can you imagine the opportunity to walk hand in hand, be face to face, voice to voice with God? That would be incredible. And then, of course, they chose to disobey God. They sinned. Sin brings separation and death. They were kicked out of the garden. Sin ran rapid throughout the world. God always had a plan in place to restore men and women, boys and girls, back to that perfect relationship they once had uh, with the man and woman in the garden. And he did it in such a way that Jesus came and died rose from the dead, his blood covered our sin, and any person that comes before him and says, God, forgive me, 
I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm stuck. I can't be Baptist enough, Methodist enough, Presbyterian enough, non-denominational enough. It'll never be about the religious hat I wear. It's always about a relationship with you, Jesus. I need you and you alone to forgive me of my sins. I repent, and as sincerely as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Whenever that happens, God did something even more unique than side by side, hand in hand, in the garden with him. He chose to live within us. Isn't that incredible? Whenever Roger said it a couple weeks ago, he went from hand in hand to inside of us. What an incredible God. And I'm telling you, that's the God that through his Holy Spirit that lives in us, speaks to us. And he speaks to us in a way. I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. I've heard testimony as such. I don't have issue with that. God's God and he can do anything. But for me, it's that impression he leaves in my heart. It's that gut feeling. And I can tell you this, the older I get and the more I've walked with him, the more I recognize that tug. And every one of us in this room will know there are times in our life that we just felt that, that, again, that nudge in our heart. And isn't it crazy to think that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the most high God, loves you and loves me so much that he desires to guide us. And if we want to talk to the Holy Spirit, it goes like this. Hey, God, yes, I have a problem. I know. I'm in here because he's in us. God can't, cannot get any more accessible to us than he is right now because he lives in us. He lives in us. So the moment you and I experientially surrendered our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live within us. So how do we hear his voice? How do we recognize his voice? Well, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to walk through what I do uh, with what we often refer to as our, my quiet time. Okay, I wish I had time to sit at everyone's feet in this room and say, what do you do whenever you have an intentional time with God? Now hear me, we all know we're in his presence continually, right? The Bible says pray without ceasing, and, and we can because you can be driving down the road, walking down the hall, whatever, and you can always communicate with God. Again, he lives in us. So I know we're always in his presence, but I still think there's something special about having a, an intentional time of the day where we get along with him, not with our best friend or our best girl, right? But we get along with him and him only, and we seek him and we listen to his voice. There's something special about that. The goal should be every day. Say every day. Say every day. But I don't get it done every day, okay? And I say that to say, say every day. Yeah, I don't always hit that, okay? Here's the reason why I say it. Because we ought to at least have a goal to do it more days than not. Our goal is to, is to be every day. But if you miss a day, or if you're in a season of your life, and maybe you're here this morning or listening online, you say, I haven't talked to him in months. He's not mad at you. We don't have to tuck our spiritual tail between our legs and lay low and wonder if he's ticked off. Just go back to him, because he's there. He's head over heels in love with you. And don't think if you miss a day or two that we serve a legalistic God. But the goal would be every day. Say every day, but I don't get it done the way I should. But I want to walk with you, and I'd love to be able to hear what you do in your intentional time, because... I'm telling you, I would learn and probably change a lot of what I do. But I'm going to walk with you uh, through what I do of the days that I have this intentional time with God. So the first area is the area of confession. Okay, confession. Here's what we need to confess to God. We need to confess unconfessed sin. We say this a lot around here, but I want you to say it again. Say unconfessed. Say unconfessed. That's worth saying a third time. Say unconfessed. We've got to remember that we only confess our unconfessed sin. Here's the reason why. If you've confessed sin in your life and you've repented of that, 
Here's what the Bible says in these three verses that are cited here. In Psalms 103.12, it says he'll take our sin and put them as far away from us as the east is from the west. Now, it's not original with me. You've heard me say it before, but I heard it from somebody much smarter than me. Not sure who it was, but there's, I'd be about anybody I meet. But I can tell you that the Bible does not say he takes our sins and put them as far away from us as the north is from the south. That would be a huge deal. But it says east is from the west. And my understanding is one of the reasons why he says east is from the west is because we might be able to wrap our humanistic brain around north is from the south because we have a north pole and a south pole on this little planet called earth, okay? But you cannot wrap your mind around east is from the west. So God said, I'm a big deal, and I could say north is from the south, and that would be huge. But since I'm so incredibly huge, I'm going to do better than that. And I'll take your sin that you confess, my sin that I confess, and he'll take those sins and put them as far away from us as the east is from the west. And Micah 7, 19, that's also cited there, says he'll bury our sins in the depths of the sea. The depths of the sea. In Hebrews 12, 8, that's cited there, it says that God will remember our sins no more. He chooses to forget. What that means is he'll look at you and he'll look at me if we have surrendered to Jesus and he'll look at us as if we have never sinned. It's crazy. So... Why do we say unconfessed? Because if you've confessed it, you've repented of that sin, and the next day you're feeling that pit in your stomach again, it's not God bringing it up. He's removed it as far away from you as he says from the west, buried in the depths of the sea, remembers it no more. It's the devil bringing it up because he loves to push rewind and play and rewind and play and rewind and play over and over and make you feel worthless. But God has dealt with it. But the unconfessed, say unconfessed. If we've committed that sin again, if there's something in our life that's unconfessed, that's what we go before God with. And we talk to him about those things. And then we still stand on those same verses we just talked about, knowing that he will deal with our sins. He's faithful to forgiveness of, uh, forgive us of all unrighteousness, John 1, 9 says. And he will do that. So here, a, a mentor of mine said to me several years ago, something that revolutionized his life was adding just a few minutes to his quiet time. And I begin to do that, and it's been revolutionary for me as well. Sometimes it's more than a few minutes, but here's what it is. You know, whenever you begin this confession process, and you're, you're, you're driving down the road, or you're all by yourself in your house, or wherever it is that you're having your time, your intentional time with God, and you begin to say, God, I'm really trying to remember all the unconfessed stuff so I can confess it and repent of it right now and ask you to forgive me of it now. I, sometimes I think I've done a pretty thorough job. But then this guy taught me to ask one question. And the question is on the screen. God, what have I forgotten? Bring it to my memory. If there's any unconfessed sin in my life that I have forgotten, bring it to my memory. And sometimes I spend the next 45 minutes buzzing down the road uh, thinking of what he is bringing to my memory. Why is that? Because God has beaten the dog out of me, right? No. God loves to bring up sin because he loves to forgive. And we have this opportunity that's only given by him to be clean before him. And he even provides the cleansing. I'm telling you, talk about the short end of the stick. But God does that for us. We, he gets the short end of the stick because he even provides the cleansing. If we're faithful to come before him and say, what are the unconfessed sin in my life? Let me confess those by your strength and your strength only that lives in me through the power of your Holy Spirit. I repent of those. And then God, will you remind me? What have I forgotten? Bring it to my memory so I can confess it right now. And then practice a style of worship that is probably the least practiced style of worship that's recorded in Scripture, and that's set silent before the Lord. I'm so ADHD, it's not even funny. And it's getting worse. I know there's medicine for guys like me, and I should probably check it out, but I'm telling you, 
my brain is bouncing off my skull whenever I sit five minutes before the Lord in silence, but we need to do this because he will lovingly remind us of things that are unconfessed. The second part, not only do we have confession, but we have surrender. We have surrender. So after we confess and after we allow the Lord to clean us up, then we surrender. And here's what I mean by surrender. God, I place every area of my life under your control. Holy Spirit, I place every area of my life under your control. It's what the Bible calls being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the Bible teaches clearly that the moment you and I surrender to Christ, we get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get and all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to need. And there's not a second blessing. I believe we get all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get at the moment we surrender to Christ. Now, you may read in the book of Acts and see where different chapters it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And later on, a couple chapters later, same people filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that multiple fillings? Well, what that word means is to be under control of. And there are days in my life, only by the grace of God, I give over to him and I'm under his control. And there are days that I take it back and guess what I need to do again? Go under his control. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to surrender to him, it simply means to say, God, I place every area of my life, every area. Now listen, men and women, boys and girls do not have the ability to do this. It only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We are not God. We're a bunch of busted up, broken people. But he allows his spirit to come and live in us. And by his strength, by the same strength that rose Jesus from the dead, through that strength, we can surrender and say, God, I'm wicked and I'm broken, but I'm telling you, I place every area of my life under your control. Give me your strength so that my first inclination, my first thought today, my first gut feeling would be you. Today, while I'm doing anything I'm doing, I pray that I'd be so surrendered to you by your strength and your strength alone that the first thought that hit my mind would be you and that I would hear it and that I would surrender to it. But it's coming under the control of the Holy Spirit. We need to confess and, and ask him to fill us. There are eight areas in my life that I ask him for as I do my intentional time with God. And, uh, and, and here's the first four, okay? Number one, I ask for the strength, his strength, for me to surrender my heart to him. Surrender my heart to him. Matthew 12, 34, it says, From the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks. And I'm telling you, if all we put in our heart is garbage... If all we watch on TV or especially on the internet or all the conversation we have seems to be negativity and all this kind of stuff, it, that's going to come out in our, in our words. It's going to come out in our decision making. It's going to come out in the way we treat other people. And so the first thing that I want to give to God and surrender to him by his strength is my heart. The second thing is my mind. Isaiah 26, 3, listen to what it says. It's on the screen. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, is fixed on you. Listen to that again. God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. And the more we have our mind fixed on God day after day, the more we trust him the next day to be able to put our mind and have it stayed on him again. And can you imagine having perfect peace? Say perfect peace. See, that's our heart. That's our goal. And I believe the reward of hanging on to Jesus in this way is he does bring us peace, even on the days that we can't understand having peace. And it may not have anything to do with happiness. And it may not have anything to do with laughter. But the peace is still there. And so I say, number one, God, I want to surrender my heart to you. Number two, God, I want to surrender your mind. I can't, I can't stress it enough. I cannot do this. 
This is not me saying I'm surrendered. This is me saying by your strength to the Holy Spirit that, that lives in me, I'm wicked, I'm filthy, I've got to have you. But today, will you give me the strength to give you my heart? Will you give me the strength to give you my mind? The third area is my eyes. Now, I don't have scripture reference, but you can look throughout the Bible, and there's a lot about the eye. But I'll just tell you in the areas that I'm looking at, that I think about, is I don't want to look at anything inappropriate, whether that's on television. I mean, I want to tell you, today, during what, if there's such thing as family hour TV anymore, You'll still see Victoria's Secret commercials and Hanes underwear commercial that would have been considered porn whenever I was a kid. Now you can, on a smartphone, pull anything up. I say, God, I don't want my eyes to fall on any of that. If there's an attractive woman walking by, I don't want to follow her with my eyes down that hallway or whatever it may be. God, today I'm wicked and I need you to take control of my eyes. So it's my heart, my mind, my eyes. The next is my mouth. Listen to what it says in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I actually won't read it, but it's that passage, and we're familiar with it, where the Bible says that we put a little bit in a horse, and it turns the entire horse's body. Whenever a ship is out in a storm on the sea, it's a little small rudder that controls it and turns it, and a smallest flame can burst into a forest fire, and he compares that to our tongue. The tongue is the most difficult muscle to control in the human body. There's not a bone in it, but it can crush bones. It can break hearts. And I want to tell you, we need to ask God, God, I give you my mouth today. Help me to be who you want me to be in that area. In Proverbs 25, 18, that's cited on the screen, it says that if a man lies about his neighbor, it's like taking a club to him, a sword to him, or shooting him with a sharp arrow. A lie. In Proverbs 15, 4, it says, wholesome speech is the tree of life tree of life, but perverseness breaks the spirit. With our tongue, we can bring life or we can shatter hearts. And I want to tell you, could we pray every day and say, God, I'm wicked, but would you allow me? I give you my mouth. Today, I want to be affirming. I, I want to be encouraging to people. I don't want to lie. I don't want to say things out of pride. You know, pride will take us out as quickly as an affair. I don't want to say anything that's flirtatious. No affair ever starts in the bed. It always starts way ahead of time with a flirtatious statement or a, a glance or a look. I want to be affirming to people. And by the way, my wife and I have always said, listen, we need to realize that, that it's possible for us to have an affair. We'll never say it can't happen to us. We know it can happen to us. So we want a ward against these things. And it has nothing to do with being attractive. It has everything to do with the enemy wanting to destroy can you imagine the, the rippling destruction that would take place in your family or mine? The kids' hearts that it would crush, and the list goes on and on. And besides the fact that we sin before the God that sees in secret. And so it's, a, it's important for us to say, my heart, my mind, my eyes, and God, my mouth, my mouth. Listen to what it says in James 1.26. It's on the screen. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. It's strong stuff. Incredibly strong stuff. So may we be people of God that would say, I surrender my mouth to you. The next area on the next screen, you can see the final four things out of the eight. 
I ask God, God, will you control? I give you my hands. I want to surrender my hands. Now, there are a lot of verses, if you look in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes especially, that talks about work ethic. If you're a sluggard, if you're sloth, if you sleep in, talks about the hand and the importance of having a good hard work ethic. But, but, and, and by all means, a part of me saying, God, I give you my hands, is I want to, I want to be productive today in what he wants me to accomplish only by his, only by his strength, only by his glory, but, but for the kingdom. But for me, in a more tangible way, with my hands, I never want to reach out to anyone in anger. I never want to give a hug that would be inappropriate. Maybe something else is going on in my mind whenever I, and I'm a hugger. So I always want to say, God, I, I give you my hands and my feet. By all means, we want him to order our steps. And there's all kinds of things there that we can look in the way of analogies with that. But in a more practical way, I'll just tell you this. If I'm in a grocery store and there's an attractive lady that's down in a certain aisle and I don't need anything on that aisle, I don't want to be the guy, and I can be tempted to do it, to still walk down that aisle with all the broccoli even though I don't touch the stuff, okay? I'm just telling you, and we can, it, I, the heart of a man is wicked. And so we need to give him our feet. And then our ears, what does that mean? It, God, I always say, God, if I'm a party to any conversation, it doesn't bring honor and glory to you. Give me your way out. I want you to hear that again. Give me your way out. His way out may not be corrective all the time. It may, you may have a relationship with that person, and you might be able to say, you know, I, I, can we talk about this for a second? Because I just don't think this is honoring to God. But not every time whenever we're in a conversation that our ears are hearing that's not honoring to God do we say, thus saith the Lord thy God, stop. Sometimes God will say, just dismiss yourself. Hey, you know what? I got to go and leave. But if there's a conversation going on, it doesn't bring honor and glory to God. God, will you give me your way out? And then the eighth thing are my motives. God, I surrender my motives to you. Men do not have the ability to come up with good motives. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 16:2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight. I like that part. And they seem pretty right, especially if you're doing things that are good and you're doing things to help people out and all that kind of stuff. But I have to ask myself the question, is it for the attaboy? Is it for the pat on the back? Is it for the, man, that guy's so nice? Or is it to bring honor and glory to God? So listen to what it says. Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs his motives. And I tell you, there's a lot of false humility out there today. By the way, the generation that all of us in this room are passionate about reaching, the generation is getting ready to come on the scene, they can pick out false humility 100 miles away. I asked my daughter one time, I said, Michaela, what is it? Why is it your generation is so good at seeing fake? And she said, Dad, we created this stuff. Well, they didn't, okay? My generation had a corner on the market on that, and the one before mine, the one before that, right, okay? But here's what she meant. She said, we were the Facebook generation. They're not the Facebook generation anymore because old people like me have gotten on Facebook, okay? So they moved on to the cooler platforms, right? But they used to be the Facebook generation. They said, we know what it's like to have a, a nightmare Valentine's Day date and still take time to take 21 selfies and put three screens over it and put it out on Facebook to say, look how wonderful our life is. They can spot, spot fake 100 miles away. And so this is where we as believers need to come before God and say, God, we surrender our motives. Will you allow me today to be usable? Will you make me usable? 
Yeah, I'm convinced the reason why the United States of America is going to hell is not because there are too many lost people in the United States of America. The reason why the United States of America is going to hell is because there are too many Christians in the United States of America who are not usable. And I can be in the front of that line and we need to ask him every day, God, will you make me usable? God, will you today make me real? Let me be authentic. Help me to be humble before people because people are hurting. And we all know that, don't we? Because we're some of them. Sometimes I'm battling depression and we're hurting and we're broken. And there's people around us the same way and they just need authenticity. This is a place where it'd be so good for us to pause and say, God, I humble myself before you today. And that's his will. I humble myself before you today. So by his strength and his strength alone, we give him our heart, our mind, our eyes, our mouth, our hands, our feet, our ears, and our motives, our motives. And that brings us to the next area. The next area is the area of wisdom. We have an opportunity to ask for his wisdom. Listen to what it says in James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you, listen to that again, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Hear that? This is God. If any of you lack wisdom, he gives to all liberally without, uh, without approach, or reproach, rather, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith and with no doubting. Here's the stipulation. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea being driven and tossed by the, by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So here's what he says. He said, hey, if anyone lack wisdom, ask God, and he'll give you his wisdom liberally. One translation says generously. Can you imagine one speck of God's wisdom would confound the entire world, and he wants to pour it on. But he says, but here's the stipulation. Don't ask with doubt. Ask wholeheartedly. If you want it, ask wholeheartedly. I used to have an issue with that. And the issue that I had with that is how can I ask wholeheartedly because I'm so unworthy of it? Because again, I know the wickedness of my heart. I felt a little conceited saying, God, I deserve this, you know, or whatever. But I, I just want to tell you something, okay? Number one, there's only one thing that gives you and me favor with God. It's the blood of Christ. The fact that Jesus came and died and rose again, and if we've surrendered to him, we are in God's favor. On the days that I obey him, and on the days that I blow it in every way, I'm still in his favor, and so are you, because it's not about works, and it's not about performance, it's always about the blood of Christ, and so we got to realize that, number one, okay, as far as the undeserving thing, because the only thing I deserve, I'm convinced of it, is hell, but because of the blood of Jesus, I get to go to heaven, but the other thing is this, who's making this promise? God, and if God makes a hundred promises, how many of those do you suppose he keeps? A hundred. It's not based on me feeling like I'm worthy. It's based on who the promise is coming from. And God says if anyone asks, lacks wisdom, let him ask and I'll give it generously. So that allows us to be able to say, okay, God, I lack wisdom. And I ask for yours. And I ask wholeheartedly as you instruct because of your promise. And because of that promise, I thank you in advance because of your promise. I thank you in advance for your wisdom given generously to me for every decision of this day and this night. Help me to hear you and help me to surrender to that wisdom. I'm telling you, he will pour it on. Now, 
Something about God's wisdom, okay? James 3.17, that's on the screen. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. So first of all, it's pure. And how else would it be? It's God's wisdom, right? Then, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So here's what that means. You ask for God's wisdom, it doesn't make us a know-it-all. It doesn't make us in a position where suddenly we have the wisdom of God, so somebody else, you know, maybe we're going to look at them in a different... No. God's wisdom, whenever he pours on his wisdom, first of all, it's pure, but it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial, and it's authentic. It's sincere. And I believe with that, with that wisdom, it gives us the ability to affirm people and to love people and to be peacemakers with people. And the list goes on and on and on with God's love and its authenticity. So again, we can ask for it and thank him for it in advance because he's the one making the promise. That leads to the next area, and that's intercession. What is intercession? We know that's praying on behalf of someone else. There are 10 people that I pray for every time I have an intentional time with God. 10 people. There are other people that I pray for once a week and different things, but there are 10 people that's, that's, uh, that's on a, a daily prayer list. And I'll tell you who they are. It's Joy and me, okay? It's Isaiah and Amanda. That's our oldest and, and our daughter-in-law. All right? It is, uh, it is uh, 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 Michaela and uh, I know my son-in-law's name, Chris, okay? Matter of fact, he did this, he did this PowerPoint with me yesterday. He's phenomenal, Okay? Okay, it's Josiah, it's Hannah, it's Noah, that's our other three, okay, and then it's Bree. Now, who's Bree? Bree and Josiah have been dating for over a year, all right? She's on the daily prayer list. Matter of fact, we love that girl. Hope she's a daughter-in-law one day, okay? That'd be great. Now, if he ends up marrying somebody else, if we could delete this message, that would be great because I don't want his wife to hear me, hear me say it. I'm just saying she's phenomenal. She loves the Lord. Uh, man, we're just, we, we couldn't love her more. So we, I pray for those 10 people. So what do we pray for? What do I pray for in those settings? We used to do this on our way to school with every one of the kids, especially you know, that very first thing about the confession. Man, just to have a sweet time of saying, God, remind us of anything. And we're going to sit for about two minutes of silence. And will you remind us of any unconfessed sins so we can confess that? And we would walk down through those lists asking for his wisdom and all that. But this part here was so just tender for me whenever we were driving down the road with our kids because we'd pray for safety and protection. God, will you keep us safe and protect us? These 10 names that we just named in every single way. God, would you give us your love, your peace, and your joy? I battle depression. I've got a couple kids that battle depression. I think over the last two years, it's been circumstantial to a degree. I think some of it's chemical, but we just pray, God, will you lift any emotion that's not of you? Anything that the enemy's trying to bring in, Will you lift any depression or anything that's not of you and replace it with you? Replace it with your joy. Replace it with your peace. We ask, you know, God to bind Satan and all of his demonic away from each one of us. The circle is round about with his angels to knock down the enemy's fiery darts before we even know they're coming. Or whenever we see temptation coming, that we see God's way of escape that he says is always there for us and that we surrender to it before the temptation becomes sin. We're all going to be tempted. A wicked thought can cross your mind like that. It's whether we dwell on it or not uh, that becomes sin or not. And there are days in my life, and I'm telling you, I see that way of escape, and I take it. And the, and the temptation does not become sin. And then there are days in my life that I see the way of escape clearly, and I don't take it. Because it's a sinful affection. 
I lie to myself again and say this will be the last time I'll do it. I'm not, you, you know, the, the heart of a man is wicked. But I'm telling you, God's forgiveness is so there. So we pray for that on a daily basis or at least more days than not. God, would you please allow us to be able to see that and take your way of escape. For your health in every area of our life, we pray for health. Obviously, we walked through some things with Hannah here recently with the acute leukemia and different things. But we're praying for, for the things we know about and the things we don't know about, that he would heal us, that he would cure us. And, and we're praying that, that he would, uh, in every facet of our life, not just physical, but in our mental and emotional and, and spiritual and financial health, that his health would be in our life in every way. For spiritual growth, it used to be scary. To, to kind of I don't know why. We, I almost look at God like he's... You know, God, we grow me spiritually and some heartache's going to come in because we all know we grow much faster whenever we're hurting than we're, whenever we're in good times. But we can trust him and his grace really is sufficient. So we pray, God, will you, will you bring your spiritual growth to each one of us? And here's our prayer with that. Whatever season we're in right now, will you help us to learn and retain whatever it is that you want us to learn and retain? Because I got a hunch you're going to want us to pass it on to somebody else in the future that's walking in these shoes next year or two years from now or 10 years from now, whatever it may be. So your spiritual growth to protect us from all sorts of evil and all sorts of harm and that our identities would be found in Jesus and Jesus only. No one else, nothing else, nowhere else. Not in a new job, not in more money, not in a nicer home, not in anything but Jesus. That's where our identities would fall. Not in how many likes we get on Facebook, not on some social media thing. All this shallow junk that our culture continues to ramrod we want to say, no, 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 no. We want it Jesus to be you. Now, look, I can tap into all that shallow junk as fast as anybody. And that's why I need to pray every day. God, I want my identity to be you, to be found in you and you only. And that brings to the next area, and that's the area of worship, okay? So not only confession and surrender and wisdom and intercession, but also to have a time of worship. So there's a little bit of homework. I want to ask you all this week to develop an A to Z list of who is Jesus to you from A to Z. A mentor in my life several years ago introduced this to me. Whenever our kids were small, we developed our family an A to Z list. And we all have our own, okay? But we would sit down and say, okay, tonight during family altar time, we'd always have this time before we went to bed. And the kids took advantage of it in a good way. If, if I forgot family altar, they'd remind me. And it was a stall tactic. They just wanted to stay up later. But that was okay with me because we got to spend a little time in the Word, right? And so I would say, okay, take out a piece of paper and write down A, B, C, D, and E. It's the first five letters of the alphabet. And I want you to write down one word. Who is Jesus to you that begins with the letter A and then begins with the letter B? Man, you want to get a great, rich, deep list? Have a five-year-old tell you those names. It's incredible. But the reason why the A to Z list is so impactful to me is because still to this day, many years later, it's difficult for me to get through the A to Z list on automatic pilot. Are you tracking with me? I'll get to something like, he forgives me of my sins, and suddenly that'll just reach out and kind of slap me, and I'll go, he forgives me of my sins. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, you know what, buddy? You've been on automatic pilot on A, B, C, D, and E. Let's go back and start over. It, it, it keeps it personable. It keeps it intimate, and it's a way of worship. My A to Z list 
is he's Alpha and Omega, the awesome God, the Almighty God, the beginning and the beloved, my best friend, the Christ, the conqueror, the creator. He delivers me from my sins. He's my dad. He's everlasting to everlasting, my eternal life, my father, my friend, the forgiver of my sins. He's God. He's God with us. He's glorious. He's holy, holy, holy. Hallowed is his name. He's hallelujah in my life. He's Emmanuel, the I am. He is concerned with our journey. He's Jesus, 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 Jehovah, Nisi, Jehovah, Rapha, Jehovah, Jireh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lion of Judah, Mighty Warrior, Messiah. Everything matters to him. He's merciful. There's nothing he cannot do. He's near. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, prince of peace, purpose in life, provider, protector, quick to come to my rescue, quick to deliver me from my sins. He's my righteousness, my redeemer, my reason to live, my strength, my salvation, my savior, my significance, life, my substance on the cross, my security. He is my satisfaction. He's terrific. He's truth. He's my teacher. He's my trainer. He's my tamer. Untamable, undeniable, unforgettable, unstoppable, victorious in all things and always, worthy of my worship, praise, and adoration. He and he alone is worthy, extreme of love, excellent in all things and always. He is Yahweh and he is Zion. He's zealous for the souls of every man, woman, boy, or girl on the planet. He's the only reason why that my wife who's I, I am head over heels in love with 29 years of marriage and she ought to go to hell because we all ought to go to hell she's going to heaven because of him the only reason why our kids that we love the only reason why me that ought to split hell wide open is going to heaven and I think he's worthy for us to worship him and during our time of intentionality of spending time with God we need to worship him and I'm telling you an A to Z list will help us just remember and that list will expand as on certain days, he's my provider, we'll jump out. He's my protector, he's my healer. It just, depending upon the day that we're in, certain things will jump out. And I'm telling you, it's so important for us to have an aspect of worship, even though this whole thing and everything we do is an act of worship. But there's a warning that I want to close with. And it's this. If we have our intentional time with God every day, if we're not careful we'll lose sight of why we do it. The reason why we do it is because if we do this, every day he'll love us more. No. Remember, the only thing that gives you and me favor with God is the blood. The fact that Jesus died and rose again, he looks at you as if, as if you've never sinned, as if I've never sinned. That's mind-blowing. We can't even wrap our mind around it as human beings, but that's his design. So why do we do this? We do this because he is worthy. He's worthy of our worship, praise, and adoration. I believe that without a doubt, there's some incredible fruit that can come out of this because of what he does through our life or in our life as a result of it. But I'm telling you, the biggest reason why is because he's worthy. You know why we want to see another person come to Christ? Because they go to heaven instead of hell, that's a big ticket item. And we've all got loved ones that we want to see go to heaven. But that's not the biggest reason. The biggest reason is because every time one more person surrenders to Jesus, there's one more person on this planet that has the, the capacity to worship and adore him. And he's worthy of the worship and adoration of every person on the planet. It's always about him. And my fear is we can end up still thinking because we can be so performance-based that if we do it more days, that he loves us a little more. Listen, we want to do this because we want to show him that we appreciate the fact that he's going to love us whether we do it or not. And he's worthy. He's worthy. And it's his strength and his power of the Holy Spirit that begins to take the trash out. He's got a long way to go with this preacher. But he's come a long way. And he's not done yet. But he's worthy. So, the things we talked about. 
I wonder this morning if we'd make a renewed commitment. And again, I wish I could sit at the feet of every one of you and say, what do you do during your intentional time? Because I would change a lot of what I do. But I wonder for us to really recognize that voice, for us to learn to hear his voice, if we'd make a renewed commitment today to say, God, I want to get all alone with you, at least more days than not. If I miss a day, I know you're not ticked off. I know you're not mad at me. I'm going to jump right back in the next day where I left off. But I want to make a commitment this morning, fresh and new, to spend time with you, intentional, and hear your voice, that tug, the direction you're leading, because you're worthy. You're worthy. Let's pray together. Father, again, we just say thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you, God, that you made a way that our sins could be forgiven. You made a way that even though we still have sin in our life, and we're not justifying that, and we're not undermining that, and I'm not excusing that away, but even though none of us will ever get perfect here on this earth, you just keep us under your blood. And we're forgiven. And then, God, on a daily basis, as the crud slips into our life, you've got a way to clean us up. It's just amazing to me. And you'll never let us go. So, Father, we just want to say thank you. But God, I wonder if you would help, beginning in my own heart, the easiest thing I do is get up here and say this stuff. But God, that I would live this. And God, I wonder if we together as your children were to make a fresh commitment to say, God, it's all about you. God, today, I want to begin even a new height or a new depth or whatever we want to say with my walk with you. Father, we love you and you're worthy. We ask it all in the strong name of our King Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're, we're going to have a bit of an invitation during this time. And here's what an invitation is about. And you know this. It's a time where someone can respond possibly to how God has spoken to their heart. And if you're here this morning and maybe you'd be here saying, you know, Bob, I'm not even sure that I have this relationship with God in the first place. That I've really ever surrendered to the blood of Christ. I don't know that I've really ever done that. I'm going to invite you to do something this morning that will take some guts. I'm going to invite you to make your way down one of these aisles and just sit down on one of these front pews. They're empty here. and just You don't have to stand up. Just sit down and someone will come to you. And if you're here saying, I'm not sure that I have a relationship with God. I'm not sure that my sins have been forgiven. I'm not sure that heaven is my home. Then if you're at a loss for words, just say these three words to the person that approaches you. I don't know. I don't know. They'll know what you're talking about. They'll share with you in just a few minutes' time from God's Word how you can know. Maybe God's been dealing with you for a time to become a member of this church. This is a great church. It's not perfect. If it was, it became imperfect October 1st of 2017, whenever I became a member here, okay? Uh, but they'll love your socks off here. They'll love you. Maybe God's dealing with you about that, okay? Might be some other commitment. You know you've come to Christ and you haven't been baptized like Charlie said this morning. Oh, man, I believe it's all Jesus. And he was baptized by his dad, Jeff. Wasn't that a beautiful thing? Maybe you're saying, I, don't, I, I need to walk through that step of obedience with God. See, you're free this morning. Whatever it may be, you can come. And uh, as the music plays, I'm just going to ask you, if you need to come, just come and sit down on one of these pews and someone will approach you.